Well, welcome to today's podcast. Uh, today we're talking about Nuggets basketball and leadership. I'm here with my special guest, Todd Tillipaw, and this is Pastors on Pop. Well, Todd, thanks for being a part of this today. Yeah, you bet. I'm excited about it. Yeah, so Todd, you and I have uh, known each other for uh, like a little, well, we've known each other probably like out on the fringes for a long time, right. but uh, more intimately uh, in the last year or so as Crossroads got into something called Giant Leadership, which we'll talk about and you'll have an opportunity to talk about, uh, where you actually became a coach for me uh, in this last year in that. And so I'm grateful that you're here today. And before maybe we even get started, just talk about who you are and um, maybe about your beautiful wife and your kids. And then what is it that you do? And then we'll, we'll jump into some basketball. Yeah, well, um, you know, for over three decades, I was part of a mission organization called Cadence International, and I uh, loved my work there. About the last uh, 13 years, I was on the executive team. Uh, but two years ago, uh, my wife invited me to come work for her. Yeah. So uh, who can pass that up? That's right? right. How's it going? You know, for all the world to see. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's going great. Good. Um, but not without its uh, trials and tribulations. I'm sure. But no, we're, we're learning a lot and we're having a lot of fun. So, But uh, she works at an organization called Lightbridge International. She founded the organization about 15 years ago. And it's, it had just grown to the point where she's like, I need some help. Yeah. And uh, so I was able to take my experience from our, the other mission organization, Cadence, and bring it here and, and use it. Um, we work in Cambodia and Thailand doing orphanages and community development. And we just love it. Yeah, That's awesome. And you just got back from a trip. You were, you were there for like an entire month. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, serving over there. Yeah, it's a long way away. So when you go, you got to make it worth it. Right? <laughs> That's right. So yeah, we, we go for a month or two at a time and, and just to spend time with our staff over there and see what God's doing. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. When you were, uh, when we did our coaching call, when you were there and it was like midnight there and like six in the morning here or whatever it was. And then you told me your itinerary to get back to Colorado. Yeah. Uh, right after that, I met, I think one of our other staff who's, who's coaching with you and I said, man, did you hear how long it's going to take Todd to get back? And then immediately it's like, I don't think I could ever do that. Like, <laughs> like it was going to take you like literally seven days to get home. And, yeah, it's you know, crazy. It's, it's especially with COVID. That yes. doesn't make it any easier for sure. Yeah. And um, and so you do that with your wife, but then you're also a consultant for uh, Giant. And so maybe just take a, a quick minute to explain uh, your consulting and and Giant and how that kind of came into your life. Yeah, so being on an executive leadership team, I mean, leadership was my life, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I was in charge of all our missionaries and all our ministries around the world. And um, it was stretching me uh, yeah. leadership-wise, which is a great thing. Yeah. I love that. But I was reading books and going to conferences. And um, when I found Giant, it was like something clicked. And um, it just made a lot of sense to me. And it, it raised my level of leadership more than anything I'd experienced in, in all my years yeah. of leadership. And so uh, when I decided to leave and join my wife, I made a deal with her and, uh, and said, I would love to uh, become a giant consultant and do this just kind of a side hustle on the side yeah. because I just, I love it so much. And it, it's done so much for me mm -hmm. in my leadership 
and I go, oh, I want to pass that on to others. Yeah, that's so. awesome. And because Kim Scadam's your brother-in-law, and he tells everybody about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you gotta get your own salesman out that's there right, yeah, doing yeah, doing yeah. the work. Well, we'll talk more about giant leadership and what that looks like uh, in a few moments. But one of the things that we've learned about each other over the last year is like our mutual love for basketball, yes. and uh, particularly uh, since we live in Denver. The local team is the Denver Nuggets, yeah. and uh, we have a, a mutual affection for the Nuggets. And so when did you like first fall in love with the game of basketball? Yeah, I, I think I've always, uh, you know, looking back, um, I've always loved basketball. But the, the, the real turning point for me is I went to a Larry Brown basketball camp okay. up at Colorado University up at CU. All right. When I was probably in seventh grade, I think sixth grade going into seventh that summer, yeah. my parents sent me up there for a week. We stayed in the dorms and then, cool. uh, you know, Larry Brown, legendary coach, right? yeah. Hall of Famer. And uh, his staff, you know, had hundreds of us junior high or high schoolers running around and, and coached us all week. Yeah. And um, just getting that coaching it really helped my game. Mm. Like I, I could not beat my dad and horse before that. And I came home, worked on my shot, and then I started beating him regularly. Oh, nice. Know? So it was like, okay, this, I love this. Right? And then the next year, your dad went to camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even in background. Exactly. Yeah, me growing up um, for basketball, like I was never really great at basketball. So uh, when my parents put me in basketball when I was a kid, I had already too much hockey experience in me and so I was like the guy like I didn't know how not to foul really yeah. is is what it was but the enforcer the enforcer <laughs> that's right don't mess with the star player you'd have to come talk to me uh but growing up my dad was a huge fan of Kentucky my whole family is mm, from Kentucky yeah. which in Kentucky it's like basketball god family <laughs> like that's that's the order and uh, one of the fascinating stats that's just so like eye-opening when it comes to Kentucky basketball is that after a Kentucky win, um, the morning after pill is subscribed 200% more. <laughs> and after a Kentucky loss, uh, domestic abuse calls go up 400% in the state of Kentucky. <laughs> like it truly is uh, at the top. And so uh, we, you know, we weren't given much of a choice growing up. Like bas we were going to watch basketball mm -hmm. and we were going to root for at least at the college level, Kentucky. And I remember one March Madness, where my brother decided that he was going to root for Duke oh. uh, during March Madness. What? Yeah. And like, this is a cardinal sin, right? In a Kentucky household. And so it was March here in Denver and, you know, one of those March blizzards. And so my dad literally kicked my brother out of the house and said, when you decide to root for the right team, you can come back in. And so Aaron spent about 10 minutes <laughs> out in the snow in this blizzard contemplating his life's decisions and then came back, decided to be a Kentucky fan. And now he's like the largest, biggest Kentucky really? fan yeah, uh, there is. But that was really, you know, in those younger years, just falling in love with the game and the beauty of the game. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, when we were, when I was a kid, LaFonso Ellis mm -hmm. was uh, part of the Nuggets. And yeah. man, I just, I just loved LaFonso. Yeah. And so that's where my real love for um, basketball came from. Uh, what's your most memorable moment being a fan, like of the Nuggets? Like, is yeah. there a, a moment that stands out? Yeah, I've got a couple um, real quick. Uh, 1978, David Thompson was, uh, he was the going for the scoring championship, yeah. right? And it's the last game of the season. And um, I remember laying in my bed at night, listening to my clock radio, listening to the oh, game. Yeah and knowing what was on the line. And I mean, he was just scoring left and right. I mean, he scored 73 points That's in awesome. one game. 
And that, and that was before the three-point line, right? That was the three-point line in 78? Uh, or did they? That's a great question. I don't know. But uh, yeah, if, if it was, they didn't use it very much. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so, he, he, you know, he was just on fire. I was loving it. I was so excited. And the next morning I, I got up, went to the paper expecting, you know, a great write-up about David Thompson and learned that George Gervin yeah. had scored 63 okay. in the game and just edged him out barely by oh, just a few points for the score. I was crushed. <laughs> yes. I, I was crushed. Yeah. So uh, the other memory I have is I took my nephews to a game at McNichols Sports Arena uh -huh. right before the, the Pepsi and Ball Arena. And, uh, you know, we are just sitting there pregame, and uh, they – a usher come up i thought I, I thought i was in trouble but he said hey do you want to shoot a half court shot at the first time out for eight thousand dollars <laughs> and like, i was like yeah yes. my nephews were young but i'm like whatever you stay here I'm, <laughs> right. and i got to go Don't down this chair yeah i got to go down and sit behind the bench yeah until the first time out so okay. six or seven minutes of game time and that was really fun. I mean, That's awesome. Those dudes are huge, right? Yes, when they you are. Get down there, and uh, and then I got to go out on the court and and shoot uh, a half court shot. And you airballed it. Airballed yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> you needed to go back to Larry Brown's camp. Right, right. Yeah, to, to shoot half court shots. Yeah, they didn't teach me how to shoot that one. It's dumb stuff like free throws and layups. You know, <laughs> stuff that you'll never win money with. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's fun. When in the '90s, when I was a kid here, uh, one of my buddies got. Uh, tickets and we were like one row off the court it's the closest wow. I've ever been in a basketball game and uh, Dikembe Mutombo oh, was playing and yeah. when you're like those dudes are huge for real and so uh, it was during a thing where he um, you know he swatted this you know he swatted and did yeah. his finger ragging and, and all of that and uh, during the game there was this moment where the ball was like coming towards us and Dikembe was going to save the ball <laughs> and he was just this monster of a man and uh he ended up saving the ball but he stood right you know the the robe mm. the first row right in front of the first row and i just looked up at him and i was like there is not a bigger monster in the entire <laughs> world than this guy that i'm looking at right now no and doubt. that was just uh just such a memorable moment yeah years later i got to go to a a Kentucky basketball game and I got to go on the court and meet all the players afterwards and again just the size yeah. of the players is yeah. just like you know James here at the church like he's 6'4 yeah. yeah and he towers over everybody right. and I was talking to my kid uh Cademan the other day and we were talking basketball and I said James is a point guard right in the NBA <laughs> right like everybody the smallest is smallest position yeah, everybody <laughs> else is bigger than James so um, Hey, my name is Matt Manning and I am the senior pastor here at Crossroads Church and hopefully you are loving what you're listening to today. If you are, we would love for you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. You can leave us a comment. We read all of them. And if you like it, we'd love for you to share this with a friend. Every week we get together as a church to celebrate what God is doing and you can join us every Sunday at 8.30, 10 and 11.30 online or in-house. Let's get back to the podcast. So I know that you were... Um uh, out of the States a few weeks ago, uh, but you probably watched the game when the Celtics smoked the Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. And um, after that, there was a lot of like worry here in Denver about where the Nuggets were at mm -hmm. and where they legit and all that. And, 
And what was fascinating to me is that I guess there was like this meeting, this team meeting that happened afterwards with the players. And in that, uh, you know, everybody spoke up except for the Joker. Like mm. he didn't he didn't say anything. And so Sports Talk Radio had some you know good fodder for the next couple of days, really talking and discussing like the role of the MVP and should that yeah. person be the leader of your team and mm. and how leadership works in the team. And one of the questions that the Joker was asked actually um, after the game is like his role in it. And he basically just owned it. He said, I lost Denver the game in this. And um, what I found so fascinating is even in sports world and basketball, like you can't get away from from the importance of leadership. Yeah. yeah. Um, whether that's, you know, in a game, you know, that can be played by elementary yeah. kids to uh, church world, to business world, to missions front, that leadership is so important. Yeah. And and I know one of the, the big leadership guru guys that you and I have both read is John Maxwell, where he just makes the famous quote that everything rises and falls with with leadership. Yeah. And so um, you spoke a little bit earlier about your um, your own a little bit of your own leadership journey, but um, really kind of talk about what Giant is and what Giant offers in terms of leadership and leadership development. And um, and then I'll just speak to a little bit of how that's actually impacted Crossroads. Yeah, Giant is a is a wonderful company. It's really an interesting company in that it is a technology company, yeah. as well as a a leadership company. It's really mm -hmm. it's both. They have almost seventy leadership tools that they've really tried to make simple, um, so anybody can understand them. They've made them visual, and yeah. and with common language, so that uh, anybody can look at it. Uh, thirteen year old, an educated thirteen year old, yeah. can look at it and kind of understand the concepts, and so. Uh, so they've taken that and then they put together this great platform called Giant TV that is a way that they, you know, use to to take these principles and take these visuals and and make them accessible to everybody. Yeah. So a lot of times leadership development, you know, it's for the C-suite, you know, it's for the higher ups in an organization. And really, you need it all through the organization. You need a common language and a common understanding for that to really sink in and make a difference. And so they've really tried to make it accessible. So what they've done is they put it on this platform and then they partner with folks like me, mm -hmm. leadership consultants. Yeah. And, um, and so I have a company called TKT Consulting, but I use Giant yeah. and the platform that they have uh, to, to do my consulting and my coaching. Yeah, that's really cool. And so, you know, it was about uh, two years ago, uh, well, man, almost three now, where we, uh, at the end of 2019, where we really engaged with a consulting firm when it comes to church. And we had just a lot of questions. I was, you know, a brand new senior pastor. And so what does it look like to cast vision and to set strategy for the church? And um, so we walked with them for about six months. Unstuck Group is who we used. And um, one of the things that we identified in that is that when it comes to the church that Paul writes in Ephesians, um, that really the role of church staff, if you think of it that way, is to empower the saints to do the ministry. Yeah, like yeah. so often in church world, we think that like the church staff is the one that's to go and to do all the ministry so that the senior pastor or the care pastor is the one that's at the hospital, you yeah, know, yeah. every time someone's in the hospital. And and while we love to do that, really the biblical model is, is that the leaders of the church are empowering the saints, those who believe, uh, to carry out through their giftings the the ministry that, that God has for them and for the church. And, yeah. 
and in that. And so as we walked through that, we did this like evaluation of, of our staff and where we were at. And one of the key things that came up is that we, as a staff, were really good at doing. Mm. We were yeah. really good at doing ministry. We were really good at doing the hospital calls. We were really good at, at you know, planning the events and all of this kind of stuff that goes in church world. But, but one of the things that we weren't very good at was that, that whole role of leading. Mm. And when we really kind of sat back and, and were honest with ourselves and honesty, honestly evaluating ourselves, um, we said, you know, we're, we're not living out the principle in Ephesians of empowering others. Mm. Um, we're doing a good job of, of doing it, yeah. but we haven't done a good job of empowering the people. Yeah. And that really put us on a, a journey of going, well, how do, we, how do we do this? And it's not like we haven't had leadership stuff. I, we were part of the Global Leadership Summit mm-hmm. for years, yeah. which was, was great for us. But we were looking for something that was a little bit more in-depth, that could be consistent uh, in it that wasn't, you know, let's go to this big conference, get all that we can in two days and then, you know, (laughs) good luck the rest of the year. But what is a consistent? And so Angie, the CEO here at Crossroads, uh, found giant leadership because our residents through Kim, uh, was using it. And, uh, we looked into it and it was like, we think this is it. The, the 52 week or 52, uh, I guess you can do it in weeks. That's what yeah, we did it yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the 52 modules of walking through and the principles that were in it. And so our leadership team here at Crossroads um, reached out to you and said, hey, uh, we would like to go through giant leadership. And, and Angie and I talked. It was like, we just don't want a coach for Angie and I, but we would like actually a coach for all of our upper leadership team yeah. in that. And from that, you know, almost all of us have graduated, mm-hmm. um, I think. So there's one person out there, you know who you are, who hasn't yet. Um, but <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to say any names, Trevor DeVore. Right. And so um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we get it all done. Um, and now we're in the process of really training this to our staff. And we've asked each of our staff to then find one of their volunteers to train yeah. it. And yeah. it's just really cool to watch how, how this is moving out. And so one of the great tools um, that really impacted us as our leadership team was something that we call the five gears. And I'd just yeah. love for you to explain to people what the five gears are and then for us to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, uh, the five gears is, it, it, it's a lot about time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for leaders, uh, using your time well is really important yeah. uh, because people are coming to you for different things and, and there's just a lot on most leaders' plate. So it's how do you use your time well, not just to get things done, but actually how to use your time well to stay healthy yeah. as a leader, because when you're healthy as a leader, you, the rest of your team, I mean, that filters down to the rest of your team or the rest of the organization. Yeah. And so when leaders get out of balance or out of whack, boy, it impacts everybody, mm-hmm. right? And so- And quickly. Yeah, yeah, quickly. <laughs> and, and we're not just talking about leaders of organizations, we're talking about parents, you know, parents yeah. are leaders or, uh, you know, just throughout life, yeah. um, when you're unbalanced and when you're unhealthy, it impacts people around you. Yeah. And so the five gears is a great tool uh, about how do you stay balanced? How do you use your time? And uh, the different gears are, are for uh, different ways that you spend time. And we talk about being in every gear every day. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. Doesn't right. always happen, yeah. but as best we can. And so uh, as you walk through the gears, uh, first gear is really about recharge. Mm-hmm. It's about um, taking time for yourself and doing things that actually feed you, feed your soul, help you like um, just 
be grounded yeah. and, and be ready, have some energy, yeah. right? So uh, as I've experienced it uh, and as I've consulted with people, what I realize is, you know, it's just not the American lifestyle, no, right? It's not just at run all. And hard. <laughs> you know, the, the more people you lead, the harder you're running. And um, not only that, but people don't know what recharges them. Mm. And, you know, Recharge is different for different people. Yeah. Uh, my wife loves to r run and walk outside. Yeah. I like to go to the gym. It's different. We both get recharged, but we recharge differently. Yeah. So knowing how to recharge and then making sure you get the time to do that is really important. Yeah. Uh, second gear is to connect with people. And so it's connecting with people on a deeper level. Yeah. Sitting down, having a conversation that goes below, you know, how's the weather, how's your day, that kind of thing but really connecting heart to heart with people yeah. because uh, that just, that brings a lot of life and um, allows processing and all these things that, that we all need. Yeah, uh, oftentimes I call gear two like the place where like dreams are shared, Yeah, you know, where, where we sit down and it's like, we have opportunity to, to share like at the dream level, like this is what I long for, this is what, this is what makes yeah. me go, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and disappointment. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, you know, where... I don't like to talk about that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, third gear is more of the, the surfacey stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We need, you know, it's us talking about the nuggets. Yes. That's really fun, or, you know, how are you doing? Those kinds of, uh, I always think of the church lobby, yeah. you know, is where kind of third gear happens, and... Mm -hmm. Uh, where you just get introduced to people. You don't sit down with somebody that you just met and start going deep. Right, it's right. It's that third gear, and that's that has an important place yeah. in our life and relationships. Um, and then fourth gear is task mode. It's where you get things done, right? Yeah. You got the list. You start checking off. I've got to get this done. And, and, and all of us, uh, leaders, not you know, we've got stuff to do. Yeah. And you got to get it done yep. and being organized and getting it done and setting aside time to make sure it's done is important. Uh, fifth gear is uh, if, if second gear is where dreams are shared, fifth gear is where dreams are thought of. That's you it. know, it's yeah. like where you as a leader, especially you're thinking strategically, you're problem solving. You've got some time where other people aren't around that you can really gaze into the future yeah and where are we going what are we doing are we hitting our marks those kinds of things so there's specific time to to do that yeah and then finally you know in all in all cars if we're talking about gears uh, you got to have reverse and that's that really talks about repentance and there's times when as a leader uh, as a person you're gonna you're gonna mess up yeah and you're gonna hurt somebody and are you able to see that and then own it yeah. and go to that person and say, I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a quick run through. Yeah, no, and that's really good. As you have, um, you know, before you were a consultant, you actually used this in your own uh, work and vocation. And yeah. so how did, how did you apply the five gears as you just kind of explained them in work life? Like, like how was that helpful for you? Yeah, uh, my personality is I love gear two. Yeah. You know, I, I love that, but I'm not very good at gear three. Okay. And, and no leader is naturally good at all five gears. No person is naturally good. And so there's weaknesses and strengths. Well, gear three was definitely a weakness of mine, but a lot of my time, especially when I was with Cadence yeah. and uh, visiting a lot of ministries and people, 
Uh, I was in a lot of settings where I was in groups of people that I did not know. Yeah. And I was uncomfortable. I hated it. And I wasn't very good at just the small talk. Yeah. And, uh, and so I realized that that was really impacting me and my leadership and uh, my life. And so what I did is I drove Uber for two years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of worked with yeah. the way I commuted across the city to yeah. my office. And so for two years, I'm like, okay, I've got a captive audience. I'm going to start learning how yeah. to be good at gear three. Wow, that's so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and a couple of years in, uh, my family and I went to the, to the park. Okay. And we were just walking through Wash Park with our dog. And, and I was stopping other dog owners and, and starting conversations. And after I'd done that like two or three times, my daughter was like, Dad, who are you? What, what, are you what is going on? You're so friendly. That is not you. You're not. When did this happen? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, Which and is it, what we always want our daughters to, you know, yeah. tell us, right? Yeah. Dad, you're not friendly. Why I are know. you talking to people? Right. Yeah. But she was right. And, um, and so it was, you know, just learning how to get better yeah. at an area that as, uh, as, as a leader, I recognized I need to be intentional. I need to up my game, if mm. you will. And finding a fun way to do it. Yeah. For me at the church, it's been um, in those two gears, right? Is that what I find is like when a lot of meetings are started that people like instantly kind of go into gear three. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the goal is to move them into gear four or five to actually get things done. But, yeah. but most people need that gear three time of connection before they're you know, that social connection before they're ready to, to dive deep. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I've kind of learned is being a pastor. I was actually just having this conversation yesterday with one of our staff people is that oftentimes with like consulting, the vulnerability of, of gear two like comes really quick, yeah. you know? And so sometimes I find myself, um, you know, I'm, I'm not shocked anymore of how quickly people become vulnerable or whatnot. And we were having this conversation because someone shared with me how uh, they were in this conversation and how someone, um, went to gear two and was very vulnerable really quickly. And I was like, man, I don't even realize that anymore. Like I'm in a counseling situation, you know, and the wife will be like, you know, my husband just doesn't sexually fulfill me anymore. And it's like, okay, there we go. We're in, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, um, but it's been helpful to think in terms of the gears of what gear am I in? What gear does this person expect? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, for me, um, like I live in gear five and we've had this conversation and it's blinders. Yeah. You know, like I am just like singly focused on whatever the next thing is. And uh, for me to realize that, you know, um, uh, th there needs to be moments where where I go, wait, gear five, it's a good gear. Um, but my wife really needs gear two right yeah. now. You can't um, live there. You can't live there. <laughs> right. You know, um, my son needs gear three. Yeah. Uh, I got to go to the post office gear four, right? Yeah, Those yeah. kind of things. So. Well, and you were, you were saying earlier about your staff yeah. and how they are really good doers, mm -hmm. right? They're really good gear four. Yeah. And that often happens in leadership, right? Yeah. People that are really good at gear four, they get things done. So yeah. it's like, well, let's promote them. Yeah. yeah. But the, the reality is, is you've got to, as a leader, especially as you grow in your influence and as you grow as a leader, yeah. you got to, recognize okay i am good at gear four but i need to work on every gear yeah every day because gear four is great for some things but it doesn't cover everything right right and so this <laughs> has been so helpful for us as a staff 
uh, particularly at the, you know, the upper leadership level as we've gone through this, is that we've actually started to think of it in terms of our um, relationship with God. And so starting the week after Easter, we're taking these concepts of, of the five gears plus reverse and going, what does it look like not just to relate to one another in a work setting or in a family setting, but actually in our relationship with God? And so, yeah, so all of that starts after uh, Easter. And so I'm super excited for that. And so, uh, Todd, I just want to thank you. Uh, for being a part of this today, for coming down and joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. And this Monday, you and I, we get to go out to dinner because I graduated and I got my, <laughs> my certificate printed. And yep. so we're going to go celebrate with some food because that's what we like that's to do. That's what we do. That's right? what we do. So thanks for being here. I want to thank everybody for joining this podcast today. Uh, if you're looking for more information about Giant, you can go to giant.tv. Uh, if you're looking for more information about Crossroads, visit our website, crossroadsabc.com, uh, or you can visit our YouTube page for this podcast, um, any of our sermons and the sermon that we're series that we're doing right now called Shifting Gears. We'll see you next time.